Hey guys, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're finally in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. Um, learned a lot from this. I've learned a lot from this myself. Um, and from verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So this is an offering for the believers in Jerusalem. And Romans 15 explains this nicely. If you go, go back to Romans 15, and in Romans 15 from verse 25, Romans 15, 25, where Paul says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it has pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Now you can imagine that it was pr probably pretty tough going in Jerusalem, don't you think? Probably pretty tough going being in Jerusalem at this point. Remember, I don't think a lot has changed since the persecution of Jesus Christ, the death of Christ. Um, you, you've got all sorts of adversaries there. You've got... You know, the organised religion of Judaism now, they're just a pretty much anti-everything going on there. Um, so I can't imagine that it was probably so easy for them to be getting by, for them to be meeting and everything else. Um, so they're collecting for them there. And you, you could you probably think, it, say, it says there, you know, in, in Romans 20, uh, 15, 27, it says, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to... Uh, to minister unto them in carnal things. So I'd imagine there's probably still some teaching coming out from there, maybe maybe some Old Testament manuscripts. I don't know, there's stuff coming out of there, isn't there, they're, where they're partakes of their spiritual things. Now, um, with that in mind, 1 Corinthians 9.11 says, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? And there's a good principle there, isn't there? There's a great principle there. And We've probably, all of us, and I've said this before, have probably found it hard to minister unto carnal things at some of the churches we've probably all been to in the past, haven't we? I think that's probably been quite difficult to part with things such as money, going to a church which seems to do little or no outreach, to a church which sometimes you're questioning, do they even have the right gospel? And you're kind of waiting for it to come out sometimes, aren't you? And, and it can be hard. It can be hard. And... It's not just money, is it? Because there are other carnal things. What other carnal things are the church? All the help that's needed to run a church properly. You know, it, there are other things. The cleaning duties, some of the organising duties, some of the things we have here, the Bible reading, the ushering, um, you know, some of the food stuff, some of the organising soul winning events, the sound, the videos, uh, the, you know, there's so much, isn't there, that goes into a church. There's going to be more and more as we grow. And, and to minister unto those carnal things... We need to all kind of have that heart and head on us, don't we? That we want, we want this church to, to grow. We want it to, to function properly. We want it to, to, to give those things back to the church because we are all partakers of the spiritual things. And it's not that every week you're just spiritually growing necessarily, but you are still a partaker of it, aren't you? Even if it was just literally from the admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you're still a partaker. And that's something that I used to remind myself of, of going to these bad churches that I'm still benefiting in some way I'm still attending church I'm still involved in a local New Testament church maybe it wasn't so local and with that in mind we should then be ministering unto the carnal things shouldn't we with that because the church can't function without that and there is a tendency like we said to go there and just feel well what am I getting from this does it do I really do I have to give any money do I have to help out here what am I benefiting from the church well the church can't function without without people giving their carnal things to the church yeah um Okay, and like we saw this morning, that could be particularly hard when you're wondering where that's going. Okay, that could be particularly hard when you're wondering where on earth is that money going. But with this, this you know, this church, although Pastor Thompson is in control ultimately of it all, including the finances, you, you are welcome. If you had a question, you are welcome to come and ask me and, and say, look, you know, I've got a real question about this. I would hope that people wouldn't feel the need to every week be asking to see bank statements and everything else but if they wanted to they are welcome okay they are welcome we do have a ledger book and it's probably quite good this on the end of what 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 we talked about this morning with that wicked wicked guy uh, salam kamara 
but um, who should never obviously ever be preaching ever again anywhere. But, but we, we have a book that's written out. It's, it, it records exactly what's been paid in it. it. It records exactly what's been paid into our bank account from what's come into the offerings. It's always witnessed by three witnesses as well. We know exactly what's coming in, exactly what's going into the bank account. The bank account is there. It's always open to be seen as well. If anyone ever wants to see the statements, yeah, I happily show you the statements. There isn't a problem we're saving right now for a new building. And as we all know as well, in that going forward already this church you can see outgoings going out it's not a few cheap flyers from our mate up the road okay but even with that yeah we're saving some money and we're going to be moving to a building where there's going to be some high outgoings and we need obviously people to minister under the card of things but with that you need to be confident so if anyone's not confident by all means come and talk to me and i'll show you exactly where that money's going um so with that in mind though um you could also you could also apply this to many spiritual things that have been sown to us by men of God in a faraway land, such as this. You could, couldn't you? And we have all, we have all, everyone here, I would say, been a partaker of the spiritual things sown to us by some of the great churches out in the States, haven't we? I would say everyone here, I mean, a lot of people here probably got saved due to those churches, got their doctrine due to those churches, etc. Now, think of that. Say things got really bad out there say the persecution got really bad and say that they were finding it hard people were finding it hard to get to church they were having bank accounts closed down and other things would it be a bad thing if we had a collection for the saints out there i don't think that would be a problem at all would it and i don't think anyone here would have a problem if we said look there's some church that we have all benefited from that we still continue to benefit from don't we who who they're having a hard time we need to do a collection for them and i, I would you know i'd be one of the first there to put my money in a collection for that and that would be over and above over and above what we're already tithing and we should and i i don't see a problem with that we are what we partake of and what we have done over the years from those churches is beyond anything we could probably ever earn isn't it i mean the changes in my life from hard preaching from listening to proper preaching from proper biblical preaching uh, uh, I, I can't put that in money and, I, and I, I'd imagine a lot of people here could say the same, yeah? Um, okay, verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Okay, so Paul doesn't want a last-minute whip round now whilst, whilst they're having abundance. Because don't forget, we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 4.8 a few weeks back. Now ye are full, now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. And that's an interesting point, by the way, considering all the massive problems of the Corinthian church, their money isn't a sign of their, of their Bible living, is it? And it's not, you know, we don't want to go too far the other way. We recognise there are blessings which aren't necessarily monetary blessings from living for God, but also there are many people that have money, there are Christians that have money which aren't living in God's will, yeah? Okay, we don't preach a prosperity gospel here, obviously. Um, okay. Now, so he said here, he said, upon the first day of the week, and the first day of the week is a Sunday. It's a Sunday when they meet. That was the first day of the week. And Acts, Acts 20, verse 7 says that upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. That was a long sermon, that one. Um, okay, and, and there it's, it's just that principle of meeting on the first day of the week. And uh, it's a good thing to sometimes have up your sleeve. I actually had a talk with someone, a Seventh-day Adventist. I didn't have quickly those scriptures at hand to go to, but, you know, I was trying to explain to them. They met on the first day of the week. That's when they gathered on the first day of the week, you know, and that's why we copy that. It's got nothing to do with the Sabbath, okay? It's nothing to do with the Sabbath. We don't follow the Sabbath. It's the first day of the week that we meet, okay? Um, and obviously here as well, it's following the tithing principle of being relative to what you earn, Okay, because he said here in, in verse 2, uh, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Okay, so as God hath prospered him. And, and we, you know, obviously it should be what you can spare as well, but you don't have to feel bad. If, you, if you're not earning as much as someone else and you're not giving as much, that's not because you're a lesser person or anything else. Yeah, It's as God has prospered you. Okay, verse 3 says, And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. So Paul is leaving it to themselves to choose that faithful servant, isn't he? 
Okay, because Paul's not judging who that faithful person is. He's leaving it to them to choose that. Um, and he's deciding who that faithful servant is. And verse 4 says, And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So if it's suitable, then he'll go too. Now, verse 5 and 6 says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. Now, to winter with them is to stay with them during winter. So long, can you imagine some of these long sea voyages? Must have been pretty unsafe in the winter, right? Okay, and a lot of the time people would winter somewhere in that, in that worst weather of winter. And, and that's just one of the many things that Paul went through in his ministry. And Paul went through a lot in his ministry, didn't he? I mean, wow, he, he, you know, so much stuff he went through and so many hardships. So you could imagine that the majority there would have probably been happy to house him, wouldn't they? To house him, feed him. When he's saying he's going to winter with them, they're going to look after him there, aren't they? They're going to provide for him. And, and, and something we should think about as well when we do eventually, eventually and, and hopefully travel does ease up. Let's, let's hope and pray for that. And we have our pastor visiting and, and maybe there'll be other people visiting with time and hopefully we'll get some preachers visiting with time as well then we need to think about that, that we need to provide for them as well. We need to help them when they're here. We need to, you know, a lot of churches will do a love offering. I don't know if you know much about that as well. They'll basically give them a gift as well and, and look after them when they're here. And, get, and we'll, we'll look to do that over and above our tithing when we start having that, people that we have benefited from spiritually, yeah, and that we continue to do so. Uh, verse 7 says, For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. So, He's saying that he won't see them on this current journey, but we'll spend some time when he, you know, when he does come, if it's God's will. And he's always putting it back to God's will, isn't he, Paul, there? Uh, verse 8 says, But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. So if you're wondering there, Pentecost means 50th. It was a feast festival 50 days after the Passover. Okay, it was the 50th day after the Passover. Verse 9 says, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries so Paul was getting opportunities to go all over the place wasn't he with the gospel yeah and when you do big things for God there are lots of enemies trying to stop you aren't there okay when you start making changes in your life when you start turning corners when you're setting your sights on doing something for God you'll generally come up against opposition that's not because it's not God's will is it it was God's will that Paul was going out and giving the gospel, but he was coming up against a lot of, a lot of trouble and a lot of grief. Now, not to compare us with Paul, because we're not doing nothing on, on, on the magnitude that Paul is, but when this church started, just a few things off the, that when I was writing this off the top of my head, we had the council on our case, we had the local paper writing stories about us, we had the COVID police on us, first official service. We had YouTube railing straight away from the beginning. We had private messages being sent in, in the same sort of vein. Emails, email complaints, rude emails. We've had, I actually received on one account thousands of spam mail just started coming through as well. Um, piles of rubbish dumped in the car park. Still got a bit of that left. Um, and among, among other issues. And we, we have, you know, nothing like Paul, but we have had our fair share already, haven't we? And I'm sure that we're going to get a lot worse to come. Okay, we're going to get a lot worse to come. But that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't God's will, does it? In fact, that's the opposite. We know when we're coming up against the adversaries, we know that we're doing something big for God. Um, and there are many adversaries on the outside, aren't there? That's obvious. And many of them don't realise even that they are. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. They're just easy puppets. Some of those things are listed. I don't think those people, you know, in there, at least not consciously, are thinking, I've got to stop this church at all costs. They're getting people saved. They're just, just easily manipulated, easily controlled, easily just, just, just moved around. But we've got to ensure every one of us Okay, this is, I'm not talking about a reprobate hunt here. Every one of us is sure that we're not that adversary on the inside, don't we? We've got to make sure that we're all not that adversary. And again, I'm not talking about, about hunting out the, the infiltrate, the reprobate. What I'm talking about is, is to make sure that we're not the easy puppet inside the church. Okay, because there are many ways we could affect, we could be the adversary to God's work in this church, couldn't we? All of us, all of us could be causing upset making people feel unwelcome in the church, starting rows, rows that could easily have been avoided, 
being overly sensitive can be a problem, can't it? Where you just kind of got a problem with everyone that looks, you think has looked at you the wrong way, but not at all sensitive can be a problem. There are people that literally aren't even sensitive to how other people might view and, uh, and react to what you say and do, okay? You can be both sides of that, can't you? Easy to selfishly cause drama, isn't it? Selfishly cause drama because of your own selfish wants or annoyances or whatever else, and suddenly you're causing drama in the church. Cause division because you don't like someone. So you don't like someone, they've wound you up, there's something you don't like about them, so now I'm going to cause division about that. I'm going to try and encourage other people not to like that person too. And, and Christians do that, don't they? This isn't just the, the infiltrator, the reprobate, the division causer, you know, who's doing it for the devil. These are people that, that, that are just carnal. Carnal Christians do this, don't they? Even said to the church at Corinthian, there'd be divisions among you. Um, envy. Envy is a big one, isn't it, for that? People start to envy others and then they start to hate on them. Covetousness, coveting what they have, coveting their stuff, coveting their things, coveting their money, whatever it is. Now look at the next two verses then here, verse 10. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him, with the brethren. Why should Timothy come with fear to the Corinthian church? Why would he be despised? Anyone ever thought about that when you've read this? So have a look, just turn over quickly to 1 Corinthians 4. And verse 17 says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So he's already told them that, his, that he's his beloved son and faithful in the Lord, isn't he? Okay, in the previous chapter, just bear in mind, he did just speak about people that don't believe in the resurrection, didn't he? Okay, these were unsaved people in the church preaching that Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. Okay, so there are some unsaved people, but I don't think, he didn't say here, mark them, did he? He didn't say mark them that despise Timothy. I think he's talking to the saved here. I think he's talking to the majority of the, of the church, which are the saved, saved people in the church. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, talking to Timothy, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay, so there's some youth there, isn't there? from Timothy. So here's, a th here's something I was thinking about. Say we keep growing in size over the next couple of years, okay? So say we keep growing as a church, and then we start having some problems in the church. Say maybe I'm preaching some pretty iffy doctrine, it's a little bit suspect, some of the stuff that I'm starting to preach, yeah? I'm not saying that, I'm, that, that it's unsaved, you know, sort of he like damnable heresies, but it's just a bit off, I'm, we're getting stuff wrong, the church is getting stuff wrong, it's, we can, we're starting to be described as quite a carnal church. Okay, Pastor Thompson looks from, from over in, in Vancouver, Washington, and is like, man, they need some help. I don't want this church to fail, I'm going to send over one of my young protégés. Yeah, I'm going to send over one of the guys from the church there. They've got some good preachers at that church. He's like, well, I'm going to send someone over here, yeah, to set us straight, yeah, to teach us the things that he teaches, to try and get us back on course, yeah. Do you think we're all going to conduct that young protege forth in peace? I know it'd be a challenge for me, wouldn't it? This guy's coming up here just basically rebuking me in sermons, rebuking what I'm teaching, rebuking what we're all doing, what we're all teaching, how we're all acting. Some of us are going to find that hard, don't you think? Especially if it's some young whippersnapper, He's just, you know, turned up here. Yeah, he's mature in the faith, but we're looking at going, who are you? You know, and he's just rocked up here, starts preaching, setting us straight on things, which is what Timothy's going to do, isn't he, when he comes here? And I think a lot of us would find that hard, wouldn't we? A lot of us, that would get our egos going a bit, get our pride going a bit. This guy's teacher's going, well, you, you're soul winning all wrong. You're doing this wrong. You, you, you're dealing with that wrong. That would be a problem. But he's working the way of the Lord like Pastor Thompson, isn't he? So he, he's not doing anything wrong. He's, he's coming over here to try and help us out. Okay, he's actually made that trip over as well. You know, he's, he's sat on that plane with a mask on. He's, he's gone through all that, you know, having swabs done and all the rest of it or whatever they're doing nowadays to get on it. He's then had to quarantine maybe for a week, two weeks. I don't know, if, hopefully that will change in a couple of years' time. But anyway, he's going through all that nonsense to get over here. And then I reckon a few of us would find that hard, wouldn't we? 
we would find that hard. It would be a challenge. And some, might that might turn to despising him. Because you're not going to go, oh, it's just my ego, I can't deal with it. You're going to find fault with him, aren't you? You're going to start finding a problem. Well, he's just so arrogant. Or, you know, he's, just, he's always preaching on me. You know, he's obviously got a problem with me. That's why I don't like him. Or whatever else it is. You know, and there, there would be a temptation there, wouldn't there? And then what have we become? We've become the adversaries of the church, haven't we? We've then become the adversaries of the church. But we're saved Christians. We're in this church. We wanted what's best for this church. We fought for this church. We've done a lot. But then we become the adversaries. And obviously that, that, that could happen. And you could imagine many different scenarios where that could happen, couldn't it? Okay, look at verse 12. Here. He says, As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. So Apollos is a guy that some were saying in chapter 1, I am of Apollos. Do you remember that? Okay, This guy was described as might in the scriptures. And Paul, Paul doesn't force Apollos against his will, does he? Okay, and, and that's a good thing to remember. I think that's a good thing to remember with anything, in ministry as well, leadership. You don't want to force people into jobs, force people into tasks, because that's, they're not going to do it with their heart right then, are they? Yeah, everything we do, we want people who want to serve the church, we want people who want roles, want jobs, want doing things, want to go soul winning. You're going to be a pretty lousy soul winner if you're just being forced into it. You want people, their heart, you want the spirit to convict them and then want to go. You want people to want to do stuff in the church, yeah? And that's where we want to get to. So we want to be careful that we're not just forcing people into roles and jobs and tasks for the church. Um, okay, verse 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Now, verse 13, what a great verse if someone needs some toughening up. Eh? What a great verse. And nowadays, I think we all need some toughening up, don't we? We all need some toughening up. I mean, this is 2,000 years ago this was written. And this is specifically addressing men here, isn't it? Okay, this is, it's not telling the women to quit like men. This is specifically addressing the men. Okay. And let's be honest, each generation of men that I've seen since I've been, been alive and what I've witnessed of other, you know, the few generations alive um, have been getting more and more effeminate, haven't they? Yeah. Haven't they all been getting more and more effeminate? Um, and it's not just the way they're dressing. I'm not just talking about the way they're dressing. But what are they dressing like? Hey, what are they dressing like nowadays? Um, the so-called straight young men. Yeah, claim to be straight for all intents and purposes are straight. The skinny jeans brigade. What is all that about? And, and I, you know, you see a lot of this. So, so I remember a lad where, where I was working. I asked this guy. He was in his mid twenties. He wasn't that young. And I said, you know, I was kind of moaning about skinny jeans. He said, Oh, I love my skinny jeans. I said, Why? So he's telling me because his legs are the best part of his body. So, so this is straight guy, straight guy. The legs, and you know, these guys are just like, oh, right, fair enough, you know what we're talking about this. I'm like, what? He's like, their legs are the best part of my body. I like to show them off. What are you talking about? Yeah, this is where we've got to, isn't it? Um, the skin-tight tops, just skin-tight plastered on them. What's that? How effeminate is that? A skin-tight top showing every single bit of your, your body, your physique, and, and people look at a lot of that, and, and nowadays, that's manliness, isn't it? Some manly guy at the gym who, who's been spending hours per day, like days of his life when you look at it over weeks, months, years, trying to look good in the mirror. That is queer. Yeah, that is effeminate as anything, isn't it? Bodybuilding is queer. Uh, there, I've said it. Bodybuilding is queer. You want to get strong, great. You've got a reason to be strong. You're standing in front of a mirror, checking every bit of your muscles, every angle, different lights and stuff for you. You're queer, yeah? You're, you're effeminate and you're not a man. In, 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 in my eyes, I don't think in God's eyes either. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And this is what these guys are like. And this is what we're being promoted. And these are somehow manly men. Skin tight tops, yeah, because they've got, you know, we, we used to call them uh, Dairy Lee slices because they look big like this, but they could hide behind a lamppost like this because they, they, there was no real strength to them. It was just all trying to look big in front of people, but they didn't have anything in their backs and in their core or anything else. They were just a Dairy Lee slice, you know? And these guys are weak as anything anyway, but regardless, it's just all queer, isn't it? It's just like how I look, how I look, staring in mirrors, mirrors all over gyms, mirrors at home. It is ridiculous. And you, 
But this is the modern man, isn't it? This is the modern man, the lycra. How about the lycra? How about you seeing what these guys wear in the gyms as well? They're walking around in lycra, the, the bicycle craze now. What is that about? I know I talked about this the other week as well, but that really winds me up. What self-respecting man gets on skin-tight lycra and then cycles around the streets, then stops at cafes, you know, the cycling cafes, <laughs> and they're waddling around in those cleats with, like, skin tight. It's disgusting. What about when you're stuck behind them and they have to cycle, stand up cycle up the hill? It's grotesque, isn't it? I used, to, I used to get really wound up. I used to wind down the window and shout at them out the window, get some proper clothes on, you pervert, and everything else. Because it, it just wound me up. I don't, want to, I don't want my wife and my kids having to watch that. And you're stuck behind them. It's so annoying. What about when they're in groups as well? And they're in group, like three, four of them in a row, all in skin-tight lycra, psyching up a hill, and you're just like staring at these grotesque, disgusting image of them from behind. And they're just, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then they don't even go in single file. Anyway, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> hours on their hair. What about the hours on their hair these guys spent? Have you seen that stuff? These young kids, they've literally spent two hours to look like a scarecrow. Every bit is out in a different direction with a wax and gel. Uh, men, my, my word. Uh, 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 and, and the fake tan. What about the fake tan? You seen this? Fake tan. Okay, so I've worked in gyms a long time, yeah? So in the gyms, these guys are getting fake tan. They're going on sunbeds. I've even, like, and, and again, I'm not saying, there's no reason to say these guys are any more manly, but you would assume the guys in the fight gyms who are at least, you know, they're getting in the ring and, and fighting people toe-to-toe, -to -toe, you'd think, well, maybe they might have a little bit less of that. No, there were people that used to go and get sunbeds and put fake tan on to go and fight, to go and fight because they wanted to look good in front of the crowd. It's queer. And the waxing. The waxing as well. Waxing every area of their body. Bunch of fags. Okay. <laughs> but that's just the way they look. How about the way they act? How about the way they act? And look, it's easy to find fault in the world, isn't it? It's easy. We could, you know, I mean, that's not a hard job. I could stand here and just, you know, go on and on about all these worldly people and people in the world and the way they act and how effeminate they are and how unmanly. But how are we as Christian men then? How are we as Christian men? Are we watching? Are we being vigilant? Are we all being vigilant? Vigilant for false doctrine around our families. Are we vigilant for that? Vigilant to what, what preachers they're listening to? Are we vigilant for that, guys? Vigilant for what our kids are reading, what they're looking at? Vigilant for what they're being taught? What they're being taught, whether it's school or homeschool? What we, you know, any of that. Are we vigilant for what's, what they're actually, what's in front of them, whether it's on a screen, on a paper? Are we being vigilant, men? Are we being vigilant about that? Vigilant for, for who they're in front of? Who, vigilant for the, like I said, the preaching they're listening to, the music? Because we know that you get admonished, don't you? But by spiritual music, by hymns, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, te you, get, you teach yourselves with them. Are we, are we being vigilant about what our wives, what our children are listening to at home? Okay, because that's part of being a man, being vigilant. Vigilant for problems, people that can affect us and our families. Are we vigilant about who and what and where our kids are playing, who our wives are associating with? Are we vigilant for that? Are we aware? Do we care? Do we care or is it just, oh, well, I'm earning the money, let them deal with it? Are we, are we being men in that respect, vigilant for problems at our church? Yeah, this is our church, isn't it? Are we vigilant for that? Are we keeping out, making sure there's no problems going on, no whisperings, no, little, no, no division being caused, no false doctrine being peddled around the church? Are we vigilant for that? Because that's all part of being a man. It is stand fast in the faith. Are we secure in our beliefs, men? Unmovable. Are you unmovable in your beliefs? Or are you, or are you as Ephesians 4.14 says, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We don't want to be going down every doctrinal rabbit hole, do we? We don't want to be going down every doctrinal rabbit hole. And there's a lot of doctrinal rabbit holes. And there's a lot of cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And people are cunning and crafty, aren't they? And they could be the people that try and sound so intelligent online, that the, the, you know, written article on this, oh, it sounds so intellectual, but they're just trying to con you down a doctrinal <laughs> rabbit hole. But that could be the people that just innocently ask you a question to shake your faith. 
as if they need setting straight. Oh, you know, have you ever seen this? Can you explain that? But really, they're just trying to sow, sow a seed of doubt in your mind, okay? You've got to watch out for that. Watch out for that. And you need to especially watch out for that with your families, men who have families. And men who don't, you need to be watching out for that because you need to be training up and be ready to have families, yeah? Um, are we questioning our faith every time we go through some tribulation? I hope not. But that's not manly, is it? Yeah. That's not standing fast in the faith, is it? Unmovable. If every time you have a hard time, you're like, oh, God, are you really there? Are you real? That's not, that's not being a man, is it? No way. no way. No way is that being a man. Are we questioning core beliefs? Core beliefs of the Bible and of our church every time some clever-sounding guy uses long words professing himself to be wise? Are we starting to go, whoa, I don't know, actually, because that guy, you know, gave a pretty strong, strong reasoning for the, you know, for the pre-trib rapture there or for whatever else it is, you know? No, we need to be standing fast, unmovable, yeah? Unmovable in the faith. Um, but he says here then, he says, quit you like men. Means act like men, manly, brave, Yeah? This phrase is used in one other place. It was actually by the Philistines. Turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, and it's in uh, chapter 4. 1 Samuel 4. First Samuel 4 and from verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. <clears throat> woe unto us who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness be strong and quit yourselves like men O ye Philistines ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you quit yourselves like men and fight and the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent and there was a very great slaughter for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen and the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Pinehas were slain. Okay, so the Philistines started panicking there, didn't they? They're a bit off on, on, on obviously the nuances of the Trinity, but they're right to fear God, aren't they? Okay, they're fearing God, although they're calling him gods. But, you know, they just got, got that terminology wrong now, I think. But, but they said, woe unto us. Woe unto us. And when an army is talking like that, they've already lost, haven't they? You're, you're thinking, you're, when an army's going, woe unto us, you're thinking, you're done. That's the end of you. But, see, it's still the Philistines talking here in verse 7, yeah, plural. And the Philistines were faithful. They said, God, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there has not been such a thing heretofore. Okay. And then it goes on to say, be strong in, in verse 9. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. So being strong and quitting yourselves like men go together here, don't they? Okay, they're going together. Being strong, quitting yourselves like men. Now, they say quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. And then they say quit yourselves like men and fight. Okay, so being strong and fighting seem to go hand in hand with being manly according to this yeah okay but the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal are they so the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal now there's nothing wrong with having some physical strength some ability to protect our families physically but it's more important isn't it that we're mentally and spiritually strong you could be the strongest guy you could be the toughest guy but if you're if you're a, a mental a, yeah basically a mental wimp yeah then you're useless absolutely useless okay so mentally and spiritual strong and that's how a man should be isn't it that's how a man should be okay you, the, the man as a stronger of the two the man should be stronger looking after the weaker vessel in a relationship and regardless young men should be strong as well shouldn't they okay we need strong men and now more than ever we need strong men okay now i'm not talking about emotionless here though 
Okay, so just, just bear that in mind, because a lot of men think that they're showing their toughness and their strength by, by being void of any emotion. Okay, I've seen this before in life where men are trying to be like really tough because nothing, you know, they don't get emotional at all. Well, was King David strong and manly? Yeah, sure he was. King David was a strong and manly guy. Read through the book of Psalms. You'll see a lot of emotion though, won't you? You'll see a lot of emotion. Look at Psalms chapter 6. Okay, let, let's just read Psalm 6. What a great psalm. It says, so Psalm 6, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eyes consume because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye works of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. That's some emotion there, isn't there? Verse 6 uh, especially, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. He's crying himself to sleep. In fact, he doesn't even get to sleep. He's crying so much. Okay, but David was mentally strong, wasn't he? David was a fighter. He was manly, okay? The sort of man that wasn't phased going up against Goliath. The only one that wasn't phased at all going up against Goliath. I mean, it didn't even seem to just register with him, did it? Or to kill and circumcise 200 Philistines. The sort of man that kills and circumcises 200 Philistines. A survivalist, wasn't he, as well, living in caves, and in the wilderness with the king hunting him down like a dog. He became a war veteran, didn't he, as well? He became a war veteran, leading Israel to battle in his old age. Yeah, he, and there, you know, we could pick out hundreds of stories, couldn't we, of manly David. He was strong, wasn't it? Wasn't he? But why was he strong? Because he was humble and he relied on God, didn't he? Because he was humble and he relied on God. He said in verse 2, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Okay, so David knew clearly where his strength came from, didn't he? Okay, he submitted to God. It's God's strength. It wasn't, oh, I'm so great. I'm this and I'm that. He was strong because of him putting his faith in the Lord. And us 2021 UK Christian males, we have a bit of work to do, don't we? We have a bit of work to do to, to get like that, to get where David was. Goliath... Most of us would have sulked off at the insults, wouldn't we? We would have, oh, he's offended me, you know. Oh, it's so offensive. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that. I'm not going to have that, saying that about me, not dealing with that. 200 Philistine foreskins. We would have probably fainted at the bloody nose, a lot of the UK Christians in this country. On the run in caves and wilderness. Can't even get to church without a sat-nav, you know. Going to battle as an old man. More likely retired and watching Antiques Roadshow at 50, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, and that's the truth, isn't it? Like, we've got a lot of living up to do there. But Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he's commanding the, the Corinthian church, and that extends to all Christians, doesn't it? Yeah. He's commanding all Christians to watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. That's a command. That's not, oh, well, I'm just not that type of man. Oh, well, I don't know, you know, I've been raised a bit funny. Oh, well, that, that, no, he's saying, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. That's something we can choose to do. It's something we can work on doing, isn't it? He didn't say, well, hopefully you can do that. No, that's something we should do. He's saying, be vigilant. Stand tall. Stand tall. Stop moaning. Isn't he? He's saying, he's saying stand tall. Stop moaning. Stop, stop whinging about things. Man up. Deal with rebuke. Deal with the aches. Deal with the pains in life. Yeah, deal with it. He's saying, wear your faith with pride, isn't he? Say, wear your faith, boast in the Lord. Yeah, boast in the Lord, be strong with that. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't, don't be oh, a bit nervous to, oh, I don't know if I want to knock on that door, I want to tell that one, I want to make it clear that one at work. No, be bold with it. 
Be bold in your faith. Boast in the Lord. Be bold in the gospel. Bold when we preach. There's a difference when you preach boldly, isn't there? There's a difference when you've got that boldness behind you when you preach. He's saying protect our families. But that's spiritually as well. Protect our families. Lead our families. We should all be doing that, shouldn't we, men here? Yeah? Protect your families. Lead your families. We should be like chalk and cheese, shouldn't we? We should stand apart. We should be like chalk and cheese with the modern liberal sissy boy poofs, shouldn't we? People should look at us and go, that's something different about that. There's something different about that man. Yeah, that ain't like they, 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 they should be looking at us going, oh, they don't make them like that anymore. You know, that's how they should, that's how they should shouldn't they? Yeah, we should, it should just, we should be unrecognizable by what the workers of well, that is a joke, isn't it? That is a joke. The limp wristed, scared of their own shadow types. Because they are, aren't they? These guys are a joke. Lazy, spineless, see them all, don't we? They're estrogen dispensers, aren't they? That's what they are, just walking around some big emotional estrogen lump of whatever aren't they just just the 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 ones who have a new mental health condition every week every week there's a new condition that they've read about and they've decided they've got yeah the 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 excuses for everything eternal victims oh well it's because of this it's because of the way this happened and that happened that's not a man is it that's not standing tall that's not quitting like men sneaky little rats most of them as well aren't they sneaky little rats whispering bitching about everyone that's 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 a modern man, isn't it? Yeah. That's a modern man, and that's and we want to be completely different. We want to stand apart, quit you like men. Okay, that should be us. That should be every man in this church, and that should be every one of you boys in this church. That should be what you're aspiring to be like, and that should be where you're already. People should be starting to look at you, young boys, in this church, and other kids when when they see you should be like that. That boy's different. That boy's strong. That boy's bold. That boy's not ashamed of the gospel. That boy's not ashamed of being a Christian. That boy's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, oh, oh church. You know, and, uh, no, that should be that should be a young boy. He's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm bold. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a man of God. Because I tell you what, a man of God, any man here and any woman here would look at a man of God and go, no, that is already that's already ten times a man than any worldly man in this world, aren't aren't we? Yeah, because there's a difference. To have that boldness, to even be coming to church, to be going out preaching the gospel, you know, and, and every single one of you boys should be aspiring to be like that, yeah? Okay, that's how we want our boys in this church. And as, we, as you grow up, remember, you've started young with this. Us, a lot of us men here, we grew up with that sissy boy culture, didn't we? We grew up with the TV showing us every queer type man as some sort of role model. We grew up with every movie we watched where every single battling gladiator had long hair and was wearing next to nothing like some sort of fag with with some sort of exactly you know sculpted body and the rest of it we grew up with all of that and i know it's worse now but we still had a lot of that we had a lot of that when we were young didn't we we grew up with he-man with long hair he-man had long hair down he had like some bob didn't he down here queer yeah we grew up with that didn't we we did and he had wife fronts on yeah, and the rest of them, all our superheroes that were all our, our heroes when we were young, they're all wearing skin-tight lycra. And I hope that we're not shoving, that, shoving our kids in front of all of that stuff. Because really, you guys have got it different. You're growing up without all of that brainwash, so we should see you in 20 years, 10, 15, whatever years. We should be looking at you going, that's a real man. Man, you know, that, we should be aspiring to be like you guys when you're older, yeah? Okay. Um, Okay, so he said, he said here, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. And that's to every one of us here. Then he says, let all your things be done with charity. Let all your things be done with charity. Now, in case you're wondering, this isn't some sort of contradiction. This isn't a contradiction. This isn't, oh, well, I better now just give the other side of it. Okay, no. Doing things with, with charity is part of being a man. Okay, that's part of manliness. That's part of being a man of God. Being manly doesn't mean you have to be selfish. Being manly doesn't mean you have to be selfish. Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. And of course, we've already, we've already gone over this a few weeks back. But I'll tell you what, I don't think you could ever read this chapter too many times, could you? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And from verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. 
doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And that is part of being a man. That's part of being a man. Yeah, and if we can't look at ourselves and go, yeah, I do things with charity, then you're, you're, you're lacking a part of being a man, aren't you? Okay, let all our things be done with charity. Verse 15, he says, and I beseech, he says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Now, Achaia is a region of southern Greece. It includes Athens and Corinth, okay? And Ma Macedonia was the northern part. Now, the household of Stephanus is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 16 where he says and I baptized also the household of Stephanus besides I know not whether I baptize any other okay so they're one of the few that Paul baptized now they were possibly some of the first that, that ever got saved in the region and he says they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints okay and what what, a, what an inspiration that could be to addict yourselves and I talked about this the other week didn't I, I think we were talking about talking about drugs and stuff and saying look you know because there are many people that are the more addicted types aren't they okay some people are a bit more like that do find out harder than others with addictions and if you're going to choose an addiction if you're going to find a way of replacing that don't find the whatever it is the energy drinks or the you know or, or even the exercise whatever else because it's all, it doesn't have the same profit, does it? Swap it for the Lord. Swap it for addiction to the ministry. The, the ministry of the saints. Yeah, That's where we should be. If we're, we're that type, we can make a great Christian, can't we? People who are like that can make a great Christian. If they're the type that have issues that can get addicted to things, addict yourselves to the ministry of the saints. And with that, he says, he, he then says, he says, um, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the, the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such. Okay, so he, he's basically saying, submit to these, what we, we can see for this, are likely more mature Christians, aren't they, than the people he's talking to at the Corinthian church. Okay, and bear in mind that he's just talked about quitting like men, acting like men. Then he says, that ye, like within two verses, that ye submit yourselves unto such. And, and something we also need to get into our heads, that submitting submitting to, to other Christians is also manly. Yeah. It's also manly. Being full of pride and unable to submit to authority is the opposite of manliness. Yeah. Okay, that's not manly. That's being a wimp. That's being someone that's, that can't deal with submission. Okay, that's not being manly. Like he's just said, quit you like men. Then he says, submit yourselves unto these people. These people that are doing plenty of stuff for the Lord. They're addicted to the ministry of the saints. And to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. People that are laboring for the Lord, work for the Lord, submit to them. Submit to them. That's being a man. Okay? And if you can't, if you can't take that, then basically you're, you're failing as a man. Because you're saying, I'm too, I'm too, you know, this or that. No, basically you're just puffed up. And that wasn't part of being a man. Because that's without the charity part of it, isn't it? Okay, submit yourself. Submit yourselves to such. Okay, and it says, he says here, in verse 17, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Okay, so it seems that Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus here, they've come to Philippi where Paul is. They brought some sort of offering, haven't they, with them? Yeah, or they're taking on some work. Because verse 16, it says to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. So they're doing something, aren't they, which is helping. They're, they're, they're basically giving some sort of carnal help here, aren't they? And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, and, and clearly here, they're a help. They're doing stuff for God. And he's telling them, submit to these types of people. Now he says, verse 18, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge thee them that are such. So they've, re they've refreshed Paul's spirit by whatever help it is that they brought or done. And I believe he's saying here, that, that therefore also the Corinthian spirit too, okay, by refreshing Paul's, they're refreshing theirs. Now, that could be by supplying his physical needs, yeah, or, or helping with the work, or even with himself here, or even just the encouragement by making the journey. It's, it, I mean, I was looking, it's a good 250 mile, mile uh, plus trip one way, okay, to where he was from where they were, okay, and and 
in the, in the same way, how refreshed, I, I, I know I am, and I hope you guys too, how refreshed is your spirit when someone travels a long distance to this church? When, when Sister Stephanie comes to this church with four kids, yeah, on her own with four kids to this church from Bristol, that refreshes my spirit. I don't know about you lot, but that makes me go, amen to that, you know, and she, already, she's refreshing my spirit just coming to this church. You know, and, and when other people, when other people are around the church, and some of you guys travel a bit of a way as well, and we've had other people, for example, Brother David there comes down two hours from Coventry, comes to a men's preaching night on a Friday, stays the night, goes home, comes back again, stays the night, comes back on a Sunday. That refreshes my spirit, okay? That refreshes my spirit. Brother Huna, where the Brother Huna is, uh, there he is, sorry, Brother Huna, four-hour trip from Sheffield and I don't think I haven't seen him for weeks now he's been here every single week four hours from Sheffield that refreshes my spirit 100% I hope it refreshes everyone else's spirit as well just by making that journey just by making that effort you're thinking amen to that yeah that that, that you know that that's what it does but how does that then refresh the Corinthian church's spirit well firstly verse 24 says that they wrote this epistle so if you just jump forward 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 24, um, sorry, not verse 24, where, uh, where are we, just a bit earlier on, sorry, um, uh, I think, sorry, verse 17, I think, uh, where am I, 19, the church registry, equivalent for the salute, much as in the law, with church, all the brethren salute you, well, I missed it somewhere, 18, sorry, sorry, for their research, no, it's not, oh, sorry, I mean, am I in 1 Corinthians, I am, it's 16, where are we, where they've written it, guys, anyone find that here? Uh, oh, sorry, no, you know what, it's in 1 Corinthians, sorry, am I in, I'm in the end, aren't I? Uh, is it in chapter, at the beginning he says this, where he says that they've written the, um, they've written this epistle, oh no, it's right at the end, sorry, it's after verse 24, if you've got that in your Bible, it says, the first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi, by Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achacus and Timotheus, sorry guys, um, it was just kept trying out verses here <laughs> it was like yeah 18 I was like all oh, right yeah what 17 19 you get it right one time well no it wasn't actually a verse it was written at the end okay but that is I think in the original there as well so this was written by by Stephanus Fortunatus and Achacus and Timotheus so they have put some work in here as well they've written this epistle but for Paul to be able to spend the time writing this okay um and of all the other work put into his ministry so for he needed that help didn't he so then write it. Can you imagine, like, right, that's quite a long epistle, isn't it? We've gone through that. Can you imagine writing that handwritten and legible as well to be able to be read? That's a bit of work, isn't it? Now, if Paul had had to do that, he, that's going to take time out from his ministry, isn't it? And now that's only one of the things. He said that they helped and laboured. Okay, so, so he does need help, doesn't he? He needs physical help. He needs his physical needs met as well, Paul does, as well as help and labour. And in the same way, Pastor Thompson leading this church, he needs that as well, doesn't he? So where he is, and yeah, we're not able to give that physical help and labour, but there are people there that are helping him because for him to have five churches, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And I try not to harass him regularly with all my questions and everything else and, and help with things, but he's got four other churches as well that all need help and all need things and all need, need advice and all need guidance and all need the rest of it. And, and that's a lot of work, isn't it? That's a lot of work. So he needs people to help him with that. And the principle applies, doesn't it, for supporting a pastor there, doesn't it? It's a, it applies there that we need to be helping them with that. And, and Hebrews, if you turn to Hebrews 13, and I have read this before, but turn to Hebrews 13. <clears throat> verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Okay, for that is unprofitable for you. So if you want your spirits refreshed, at the least acknowledge those that refresh the spirit of the one refreshing yours, if that makes sense, yeah? Ignor at least, okay, I'm not saying you have to, well, I've got to find a way to refresh the spirit of the person that I'm getting spiritually fed by, but at the least 
at least acknowledge the fact that some people are and at least give them some credit that there are people that are refreshing the spirit of the person that's doing that and for me I acknowledge the fact that people that are helping Pastor Thompson because he helps us and I hope as well that if you're getting you know if you're if you're spiritually learning from from the preaching that I'm giving you I hope that you're at least acknowledging the people that refresh my spirit because we all need that we, we need physical help to be able to do this this you know to be able to do this job Pastor Thompson needs that every pastor around the world needs that and every person who's leading a church needs that help they need that to be able to then be refreshed enough to refresh you and that's it's a knock-on effect isn't it it's a knock-on effect and he says here obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you if pastor thompson was just grieved with us all the time going what are they doing now you know what are they up oh what what he's got problems now what Ian's reporting to me with more problems or he's watching my preachers go what is he on about now you know it's just going to be grief to him isn't it it's just going to be grief and it's going to be a problem is it that's going to be a problem and then that's unprofitable for us isn't it because eventually we it's just going to cause more problems and, and same with me if I'm just constantly grieved constantly finding it hard constantly having people just giving me grief give like try to put pressure on with things try to constantly challenge test try to like t you know try and try to lift themselves above or any of the rest of it it's it, it it's just going to cause me grief and it's unprofitable for the church isn't it it's unprofitable for the church okay verse 19 he says the churches of asia salute you Aquia and priscilla salute you much in the lord with the church that is in their house okay so the churches of asia here plural and it's nice to have some like-minded churches around to acknowledge you, isn't it? Yeah. It's nice to have that. Okay, we don't have that in this country, do we? Okay, but we do have that in the world. Yeah, and you know what? You know how nice it is when I see a YouTube comment on one of our videos from one of the brethren over in the States somewhere just going, you know, God bless you guys and, you know, we're praying for you. I had one recently where it's, just, it's like, we're all praying for you in all these different churches. I'll tell you what, that is great to see, isn't it? To be acknowledged by other good, sound churches saying, look, we're praying for every single one of you here. We're praying for your church. We're praying for your ministry. Like that, that I'll tell you what, that warms you. That refreshes your spirit as well. Um, and it's nice to have that, isn't it? It's nice to have those around. And, and you know, and hopefully we're going to have more of that in this country eventually, aren't we? Eventually, you know, at some point. Let's hope we have that because that's going to be nice, isn't it? But that doesn't make you a denomination, does it? That doesn't make you a denomination. And there's nothing wrong with calling yourselves NIFB because you know that you have like-minded faith and like-minded practice with those people. That doesn't make you a denomination. It's not a denomination. Okay, and, and people try and accuse that, don't they? Because we want to have fellowship. But as people say in the old IFB, pre-trib, you know, churches, are they all a denomination because they'll only fellowship with pre-trib churches? No, they're not, are they? They'll only fellowship with other lame churches that don't soul win. You know, <laughs> they'll only fellowship with other churches that, that worship the Jew. You know, we don't call them a denomination for it, do we? No, and, it, and, and the NIFB isn't a denomination. What we are is we are churches which want to fellowship, we want to be saluted, we want to be acknowledged by other churches around, don't we, of a light faith and be able to fellowship and be able to, to eventually in the future help each other out as well, you know, and stand, stand with each other on, on key problems and issues that arise, yeah? And I'm sure Pastor Mahir maybe recently liked the fact that people and other churches and friends of his were standing with him, weren't they? And standing up to those, to those wicked, wicked sodomites. Um, Okay, now he says Aquila and Priscilla here salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now Aquila and Priscilla are, are lesser known giants of the faith. Okay, so these are giants of the faith. If you turn to Acts 18, turn to Acts 18, while I read Romans 16, 3 to 4, which says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my, my helpers in Christ Jesus who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Okay, so they're his helpers in Christ Jesus, who have laid down their own necks. And not only he gives thanks to them, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Okay, and Acts 18 is when Paul first meets them in Corinth. He lives and works with them, and they're all tent makers. Okay, so that's their job. That was the Apostle Paul's job. They make tents. Okay, they then join him yeah so obviously he's got them saved they sailed to Syria and he leaves them at Ephesus now Acts 18 and verse 24 here 
Acts 18.24, we see, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandra, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. That's Apollos that we're just talking about. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and talked diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, who when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into a car, the brethren wrote, exhorted the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So they instruct the mighty Apollos there. And considering where they are and the greeting here that we've just seen, was it not the Ephesian church that was in the house? I think that was probably the Ephesian church. If, if I've got that wrong, then let me know afterwards. Was it not the Ephesian church here? Because that's, that's in Ephesus. Um, and the Ephesian church was in the house. And this was a house church. And a house church is completely biblical when it's a church. Yeah? And that's when it's a planted church that's gone out from another church, like, like we saw with, with Paul going out from Antioch and part... And, and planting church and planting a church in someone's house there's nothing wrong with that if it's a church okay and the reason I say that is because there's a growing and I, I read quite a lot about this you know I was interested in this quite a few years back now I was saved I was finding it hard to find churches and, and you're thinking well you know what's wrong with, what's wrong with a house church it's not a church home church isn't a church without a pastor an elder a bishop yeah, and our elder bishop is in the States, but obviously he's then got me to lead this church here. But we are a church, okay? We have a pastor. Okay, it's not a church if it's not been planted. Okay, if it's not gone out from another church, I don't consider that a church. We we are we are basically we've gone out from Shore Foundation because our pastor is leading our church, okay, and planted it here with the saints that be in the UK. Okay, that's how it works. But sitting round in a circle saying let's all do a bible study isn't a church okay there are people that don't want to submit to leadership and don't want to submit to a church and let's be honest how many house churches are then going out and getting souls saved how many of them are really doing anything for god what they call the, the people that call themselves house churches what they're really doing is meeting up calling it church and sitting there and and, and playing church aren't they and that's the truth they're playing church and it's not church okay and and there is, there is, I don't know if you've seen this before, they even call it the organic church. I don't know if you've heard of any of this. There's this kind of movement where it's, oh, it's organic church and we don't believe in there being a leader. We don't believe in this. Well, you, you're just discarding half of the New Testament then, aren't you? Okay, it's ridiculous. But, you know, the, the, the flesh wants that, doesn't it? Okay, he says in verse 20, All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Okay, and it's warming, isn't it, to be greeted by real brethren? That's pretty nice, isn't it, when you're greeted, uh, greeted by real brethren. Like I said, it's great when you get those messages come through. It's great when you, fit, when you get that from real brethren. It's great to be around each other as real brethren. And it's great to, to know other people. It will be great when we have people come and people visit. And we've had that already. People visit. We had our brother Jamie and his family visit from Scotland. And that was nice, wasn't it? Greeting the brethren. There's something just great about it, isn't there? Um, now, he says here, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Okay, now... Romans 16, 16, you don't have to turn to it, it says, salute one another with an holy kiss, the church of Christ salute you. First Peter 5, 14 says, greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus, amen. Now, here's a thought on this, yeah? We've got saluting with a holy kiss, you've got the kiss of charity. Do you think there's a difference there? Like, if, it was, if this was a physical kiss, and yeah, some people will go, oh, well, in the culture, they kissed each other, you know, as a greeting. Yeah, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, though. But I, I, I see that as a picture. It's basically, greet, he's, I think he's saying, greet, salute one another with holiness or charity. D does that make sense to you? Because what's, what's the kiss of charity, uh, it, uh, which the, the holy kiss isn't? Is it like a special different kiss that you give? No, it's not, is it? So I think what he's basically saying is greet each other with holiness. Greet each other with charity. That's how I see that. But whether or not it is a kiss or not, it, you know, if that's the culture that's they're doing, then maybe it is. But that's how I see that. Verse 21 says, the salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. Okay, so maybe that particular bit, Paul wrote that bit personally to show that it was him writing this, you know. So I'd imagine there were forgeries and all sorts of problems going on. Verse 22 says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Now... This basically means cursed at the judgment. 
okay? Let them be cursed at the judgment. And I believe this is referring to the unsaved among them, okay? I believe this is referring to the unsaved. We just looked at that, didn't we, in the chapter before, about those that didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe the gospel, okay? And there are unsaved there. And he's saying, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, it'd be uh, sorry, anathema maranatha. And, and uh, you know, that's the saved here. You, you, sorry, that's the, sorry, that's the unsaved here. That, that, for me, is exactly the same here. So anyone here who's here week in, week out, that isn't saved, let them be cursed at the judgment. You know, because for, for me, that's too late for him. You know, they're done. Okay, anyone here that, that's not saved, you know, they, you're not, oh, you're just kind of waiting to hear the gospel, right? No, you've, you, for me, you're a reprobate, you know. Um, verse 23 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And, and that's what we should pray for all our brothers and sisters, shouldn't we? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And verse 24 says, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. The first epistle to the Corinthians was, was written, we see at the bottom there, from Philippi by Stephanus and Fortunatus, Lachaicus and, and Timotheus. So it was written by them. He obviously signed a bit off himself. But he says here, he says, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. So just make that point again. Okay, I don't think it's his love in Christ Jesus. It's to all that are in Christ Jesus. Okay, and he's making that point. That's who his love is. And it's not saying, oh, you don't love anyone. No, because he's saying that anyone there in that Corinthian church now who've around saved people, they're soul winning, you'd imagine he's, he's you know, he's make it clear, then, then there are, and, and I don't want to just constantly talk about this because it's not, what I don't want in this church is a reprobate hunt, yeah, or we, like that's not what we want. We want to love everyone here. We want to be, we, we want to just welcome everyone because God will make it manifest if we do have problems in the future, when we do have people, it will, like God will just, just expose them at the right time when it's the time for that. And until then, we just want to love everyone. But my point in that sermon a few weeks back is to just be aware of and tactics of that because we don't want to get pulled into that you know we don't want to get pulled into the tactics of of that 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 reprobate type behavior but regardless we don't want to be hunting that down but our love is to all that be in Christ Jesus and and for all intents purposes that's everyone here and that's everyone that ever comes to this church unless it's clear otherwise you know and we don't want to be just constantly oh I don't know you know um and, and that's Paul's love to all of them there it's everyone that's in Christ Jesus and in on that let's pray Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, I thank you for for the book of First Corinthians, and um, and thank you for all the truths we've got out of that. Thank you for for I feel leading us to to study this, and and you know and how much help I think it should give us and has given us to, as a new church here, as a, a new planted church in this dark land, and I hope that you just help us to to live up to what you want us to to do, want us to live up to, and and. Help us to be that church that you want us to be. Help us to do things according to your word. Um, help us, help us to to go on now with our week like that. Help us to to put you first in everything we do. Um, to to stay in your word, stay in prayer, um, to get out soul winning as well, and and help us to just all have a good week and a safe journey going home and a safe journey back here next week. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.